Section 1 of Natural Theology, or Evidences of the Existence and Attributes of the Deity Collected from the Appearances of Nature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Natural Theology by William Paley. Dedication. To the Honorable and Right Reverend Shute Barrington, LLD, Lord Bishop of Durham. My Lord, the following work was undertaken at your lordship's recommendation and amongst other motives for the purpose of making the most acceptable return that i could for a great and important benefit conferred upon me it may be unnecessary yet not perhaps quite impertinent to state to your lordship and to the reader the several inducements that have led me once more to the press the favor of my first and ever honored patron had put me in possession of so liberal a provision in the church as abundantly to satisfy my wants, and much to exceed my pretensions. Your Lordship's munificence, in conjunction with that of some other excellent prelates, who regarded my services with the partiality with which your Lordship was pleased to consider them, hath since placed me in ecclesiastical situations more than adequate to every object of reasonable ambition. In the meantime, a weak and of late a painful state of health deprived me of the power of discharging the duties of my station, in a manner at all suitable either to my sense of those duties or to my most anxious wishes concerning them my inability for the public functions of my profession amongst other consequences left me much at leisure that leisure was not to be lost it was only in my study that i could repair my deficiencies in the church it was only through the press that i could speak these circumstances entitled your lordship in particular to call upon me for the only species of exertion of which i was capable and disposed me without hesitation to obey the call in the best manner that i could in the choice of a subject i had no place left for doubt in saying which i do not so much refer either to the supreme importance of the subject or to any scepticism concerning it with which the present times are charged as i do to its connection with the subjects treated of in my former publications the following discussion alone was wanted to make up my works into a system in which works such as they are the public have now before them the evidences of natural religion the evidences of revealed religion and an account of the duties that result from both it is of small importance that they have been written in an order the very reverse of that in which they ought to be read i commend therefore the present volume to your lordship's protection not only as in all probability my last labor but as the completion of a regular and comprehensive design Hitherto, my lord, I have been speaking of myself and not of my patron. Your lordship wants not the testimony of a dedication, nor any testimony from me. I consult, therefore, the impulse of my own mind alone when I declare that in no respect has my intercourse with your lordship been more gratifying to me than in the opportunities which it has afforded me of observing your earnest, active, and unwearied solicitude for the advancement of substantial Christianity, a solicitude, nevertheless, accompanied with that candor of mind which suffers no subordinate differences of opinion when there is a coincidence in the main intention and object to produce any alienation of esteem or diminution of favor it is fortunate for a country and honorable to its government when qualities and dispositions like these are placed in high and influencing stations such is the sincere judgment which i have formed of your lordship's character and of its public value my personal obligations i can never forget under a due sense of both these considerations, I beg leave to subscribe myself, with great respect and gratitude, my lord, 
your lordship's faithful and most devoted servant, William Paley. Bishop Wearmouth, July 1802. Chapter 1. State of the Argument. In crossing a heath, suppose I pitched my foot against a stone, and were asked how the stone came to be there, I might possibly answer that for anything I knew to the contrary, it had lain there forever. Nor would it perhaps be very easy to show the absurdity of this answer. But suppose I had found a watch upon the ground, and it should be inquired how the watch happened to be in that place, I should hardly think of the answer which I had given before, that for anything I knew the watch might have always been there. Yet why should not this answer serve for the watch as well as for the stone? Why is it not as admissible in the second case as in the first? For this reason and for no other, viz., that when we come to inspect the watch, we perceive, what we could not discover in the stone, that its several parts are framed and put together for a purpose, e.g., that they are so formed and adjusted as to produce motion, and that motion so regulated as to point out the hour of the day, that, if the several parts had been differently shaped from what they are, of a different size from what they are, or placed after any other manner, or in any other order, than that in which they are placed, either no motion at all would have been carried on in the machine, or none which would have answered the use that is now served by it. To reckon up a few of the plainest of these parts, and of their offices, all tending to one result, we see a cylindrical box, containing a coiled elastic spring, which, by its endeavor to relax itself, turns round the box. We next observe a flexible chain, artificially wrought for the sake of flexure, communicating the action of the spring from the box to the fusee. We then find a series of wheels, the teeth of which catch in and apply to each other, conducting the motion from the fusee to the balance, and from the balance to the pointer, and at the same time, by the size and shape of those wheels, so regulating that motion as to terminate in causing an index, by an equable and measured progression, to pass over a given space in a given time. We take notice that the wheels are made of brass, in order to keep them from rust, the springs of steel, no other metal being so elastic, that over the face of the watch there is placed a glass, a material employed in no other part of the work, but in the room of which, if there had been any other than a transparent substance, the hour could not be seen without opening the case. This mechanism being observed, it requires indeed an examination of the instrument, and perhaps some previous knowledge of the subject, to perceive and understand it, but being once, as we have said, observed and understood, the inference, we think, is inevitable, that the watch must have had a maker, that there must have existed, at some time and at some place or other, an artificer or artificers who formed it for the purpose which we find it actually to answer, who comprehended its construction and designed its use. 1. Nor would it, I apprehend, weaken the conclusion that we had never seen a watch made, that we had never known an artist capable of making one, that we were altogether incapable of executing such a piece of workmanship ourselves, or of understanding in what manner it was performed all this being no more than what is true of some exquisite remains of ancient art, of some lost arts, and, to the generality of mankind, of the more curious productions of modern manufacture. Does one man in a million know how oval frames are turned? Ignorance of this kind exalts our opinion of the unseen and unknown artist's skill, if he be unseen and unknown, but raises no doubt in our minds of the existence and agency of such an artist at some former time and in some place or other nor can I perceive that it varies at all the inference whether the question arise concerning a human agent, or concerning an agent of a different species, or an agent possessing in some respects a different nature. 2. 
neither secondly would it invalidate our conclusion that the watch sometimes went wrong or that it seldom went exactly right the purpose of the machinery the design and the designer might be evident and in the case supposed would be evident in whatever way we accounted for the irregularity of the movement or whether we could account for it or not it is not necessary that a machine be perfect in order to show with what design it was made still less necessary where the only question is whether it were made with any design at all three nor thirdly would it bring any uncertainty into the argument if there were a few parts of the watch concerning which we could not discover or had not yet discovered in what manner they conduced to the general effect or even some parts concerning which we could not ascertain whether they conduced to that effect in any manner whatever for as to the first branch of the case if by the loss or disorder or decay of the parts in question the movement of the watch were found in fact to be stopped or disturbed or retarded no doubt would remain in our minds as to the utility or intention of these parts although we should be unable to investigate the manner according to which or the connection by which the ultimate effect depended upon their action or assistance and the more complex is the machine the more likely is this obscurity to arise then as to the second thing supposed namely that there were parts which might be spared without prejudice to the movement of the watch and that we had proved this by experiment these superfluous parts even if we were completely assured that they were such would not vacate the reasoning which we had instituted concerning other parts the indication of contrivance remained with respect to them nearly as it was before four nor fourthly would any man in his senses think the existence of the watch with its various machinery accounted for by being told that it was one out of possible combinations of material forms that whatever he had found in the place where he found the watch must have contained some internal configuration or other and that this configuration might be the structure now exhibited viz of the works of a watch as well as a different structure five nor fifthly would it yield his enquiry more satisfaction to be answered that there existed in things a principle of order which had disposed the parts of the watch into their present form and situation he never knew a watch made by the principle of order nor can he even form to himself an idea of what is meant by a principle of order distinct from the intelligence of the watchmaker six sixthly he would be surprised to hear that the mechanism of the watch was no proof of contrivance only a motive to induce the mind to think so seven and not less surprised to be informed that the watch in his hand was nothing more than the result of the laws of metallic nature it is a perversion of language to assign any law as the efficient operative cause of anything a law presupposes an agent for it is only the mode according to which an agent proceeds it implies a power for it is the order according to which that power acts without this agent without this power which are both distinct from itself the law does nothing is nothing the expression the law of metallic nature may sound strange and harsh to a philosophic ear but it seems quite as justifiable as some others which are more familiar to him such as the law of vegetable nature the law of animal nature or indeed as the law of nature in general when assigned as the cause of phenomena in exclusion of agency and power or when it is substituted into the place of these eight neither lastly would our observer be driven out of his conclusion or from his confidence in its truth by being told that he knew nothing at all about the matter he knows enough for his argument he knows the utility of the end he knows the subserviency and adaptation of the means to the end these points being known his ignorance of other points his doubts concerning other points affect not the certainty of his reasoning 
the consciousness of knowing little need not beget a distrust of that which he does know. End of section 1